steps into it. Pass is caught. Diggs! Sideline! Touchdown! Unbelievable! Vikings win it! Welcome back to the Unbelievable Podcast. I am BJ Rydell, back here with my guy, Drew Mahold. And today, you are hearing our voices for the first time in like eight months or something like that. Um, both of us have been kind of busy lately. Drew, of course, got married, which is a lot more serious than the things that I've been doing. So make sure to give him a little congratulations the next time you speak with him. Um, but we're back uh, in the middle of, well, I'm, honestly, we're towards the end of the Viking season. But uh, we picked Great a pretty good season. Come back in. Yeah. <laughs> We picked a pretty good season to sort of jump in in the middle of like what week 15 here with the Vikings standing at 10 and three. Um, we're going to s- kind of stick to our regular routine moving forward here. Our goal is to you know be up on um, probably Fridays uh, every week. Um, of course, we've got, you know, holidays and stuff coming up. So we'll be a little flexible with that. But um, through the rest of the season, that's our goal here is once a week, we'll be talking about the Vikings. We'll do our typical game recap type ordeal thing like we've done in the past. And then look ahead to the team's upcoming matchup with uh, whatever type of ideas and thoughts we have regarding um, that upcoming showdown. So that's kind of uh, the game plan here. Nothing new, uh, just, you know, I guess we are new because we haven't been doing this for a while now. And it might take us a little bit to get it back into the swing of things. But anything that you'd like to add before we do our first podcast since I believe May 20th or something like that. Yeah. I think I think a great way to start because this seems to be the um, the overarching uh, discussion when it comes to the the Vikings. But uh, I'm just going to start it. The, I'm going to ask the question to you first: um, Are the Minnesota Vikings frauds in 2022? I love this because this question's been going on for about. It feels like it's been going on for two months. months. So basically, yeah. yeah. So basically, since the Vikings opened up with you know a couple of losses and more wins, right? People started asking if they're fraudulent, and that's going to continue throughout the rest of the regular season. By the way, because the Vikings' strength of schedule is like a point three nine seven or something like that, which yeah. is like number twenty eight out of thirty two teams. So they're not going to play anyone that's going to convince anyone otherwise. And they just lost to the Detroit Lions, who, for what it's worth, are a much better team than people give them credit for just because of their history and so forth. And the two most important games in terms of facing a strong opponent, uh, they got absolutely blown out against the Eagles and the line, or in the in the Cowboys. So it's really hard to disagree with the people that are calling the Vikings frauds. That being said, I don't particularly care. That's kind of my answer to this argument. Like, I don't care if anyone says the Vikings are frauds. People can people say the same things about like the Dolphins, for example. They're like, well, I don't believe in Tua, so they're frauds, or you right. know, they just kind of throw the term fraud around however you want. And I'm gonna dig deep into the Mike Zimmer era and then kind of even further into the Bill Parcells era. And that's that it doesn't matter what your numbers are, what your point differential is. I see a lot of people pointing to the Vikings being a minus one point differential. It doesn't matter. It's just funny. It just, I mean, it's it's funny. It really it, is. It is just it is. funny. Like, because I don't care, because like, ultimately what Bill Parcells would say in this situation is oh, you yeah. are what your record says you are, right? And the Vikings are 10-3. and three. 
which isn't too bad and has them on the cusp of a playoff position. And they're what a 99% chance of being in the postseason, a very high chance of being the number two seed, especially with, um, you know, Brock Purdy stepping in for Jim Garoppolo, the 49ers. He did look good by the way, but regardless, we'll see how he looks in the second week, but the Vikings are in great position right now. And I'd rather have great positioning for the postseason at 10 and three, than be like what seven and six and have and like a plus maybe be more quote unquote legit. Yeah. I mean, that's, I just don't care. I don't right. care. Yeah. I'm kind of, I mean, I, on a, um, from a high level, yes, I do think they're frauds. Um, but I also, my thing too, is I think the NSC as a whole is down with the exception of one or two other teams. And so yeah, that definitely. to me is also kind of why I also agree with you in that I don't care because I think for sure, Philly, San Francisco, and then outside of that, maybe Dallas, they obviously smoked the Vikings, but yep. um, there's probably, there's not that many teams that are really good um, in the NFC. And I, I, despite that earlier Cowboys game, I do think the Vikings can go toe to toe with anybody at home. Um, given yeah. the way that they're hanging, we can talk more about defense and how it went in the Detroit game, but oh, I'm sure like, we will. the, the, uh, the the graphic going around is the defense giving up 400 yards in five straight games, which is, I think it's, it's the way this defense was sort of designed. And I think the way Donna Ed Donatello is kind of not like he's trying to give up yards, but I think he's okay giving up yards because I think his end result and end goal is to create the turnovers necessary, create the sacks and pressures necessary when they might matter. That's, that's how the bend, but don't break thing was working for so long. Um, and then of course the last couple of games, it hasn't worked as well. Um, and I think that's suddenly people are realizing, Oh my goodness, look at all these yards that this defense has given up, but uh, that's kind of by design, I think. And so uh, I, I think that gives the Vikings some chance in the playoffs when that that gets there is by design, you know, it's designed to stop a Buffalo Bills offense that might turn up a bunch of yards, but then come down to uh, the red zone. For example, uh, the Vikings have the the, uh, I guess, program in place to get that stop. So, you know, it's the offensively Kirk's having probably his worst year as a Viking. I mean, he's he's he is. And uh, I think it's being covered up by the fact that the Vikings keep winning games. If you want to say fluky, uh, they will. They were they're winning fluky games, um, but I think that's the kind of the beauty of it too. Is Kirk is also the last few weeks kind of found his stride a little bit, starting to play his best uh, football of the season, and I think that is I think the biggest reason to stay optimistic about you know not only clinching the playoffs this week, but also when it comes to playoff time, the Vikings having a chance to win those games. Absolutely, and like. The, the fraud title, right? It's largely because of the what you were just saying about the defense, right? Like yeah. no one's out here saying the Vikings have a bad offense. There are people who are skeptical of Dalvin Cook's explosiveness. I've seen a couple of articles, also yeah. some of our teammates that climb the pocket as well. Um, a little bit more skeptical of his ability, but I mean, like no one is saying that Kirk Cousins isn't good this year. I'm not hearing any of that talk. I'm hearing you know, Kirk Cousins is playing better than typical Kirk yeah. Cousins. And yes, the statistics are down and they are. If you look at the like, if you yeah. go on pro re football reference for two minutes, you can see this is arguably his worst statistical season in terms of touchdown interception ratio, yards per game, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. All those volume stats that you look at. But when you look at his ability to come back and win games in the fourth quarter, this is his yeah. best statistical right. season, right? Yep. And that's ultimately all that really matters. Like, yes, I know we all love power rankings, right? Every single one of us are going to 
glance at a power rankings every week, whether that's big cats, joke power rankings or ESPN's very serious power rankings, right? We're all going to glance at it and we all want to see the Vikings near the top. And I think every single one of us is going to see the Vikings at what it's been like six or seven, pretty much every single yeah. week. And uh, we're going to be like, Oh, you know what? That's probably fair. Like the, the yeah. offense is humming a little bit. You've got arguably the best offensive player in football and Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins is playing, like I said, not necessarily his best statistical season, but very good quarterback play in terms of getting it done when it counts. And you've got some other options that might evolve and progress as the season goes on as well. I mean, we've seen TJ Hawkinson come in and he looks really nice, as particularly for a guy that's only been here for about a month. Um, so there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic as well and when you look at the defense i just can't stop and i this is such a horrible comparison because i hate this team so much but i only think about the 2009 new orleans saints which of course all of us remember is the team that you know had the bounty gate situation with yep, yeah. Favre and whatnot and went to the super bowl and won that super bowl against the colts but one of the hallmarks of that defense that greg williams defense he's still a terrible person by the way but one of the <laughs> hallmarks of that was pressure and turnovers and that's exactly what the saints rode to the yeah. super bowl alongside a high power offense that featured you know marcus colston reggie bush etc and the vikings can do something like that yes it's not going to be cool if they continue to allow 400 yards per game because right. ultimately if they get into the red zone four times and they score twice that might be enough right but if you allow 320 and maybe four red zone attempts and turn only one of those into touchdowns, this Vikings offense can keep up with that. And as long as you don't get yourself into such a hole or yeah. keep doing ridiculously dumb things like they did against Detroit last week to get the other, to give the, essentially hand the other team opportunities, right? Almost in the red zone, things of that nature, you might just be fine with a terrible defense yeah. and, and a I high think, powered offense in the way the NFL operates in 2022. And I think the one thing that was um, beneficial throughout the season besides the Detroit game was not giving up the over the top, like beat yeah. you deep touchdown, which they did twice against Detroit. Uh, so I think there was, that was part of the bend, but don't break is we're going to keep everything in front of us. We're going to give you the yards if you must have them. Um, but when it comes time to put the clamps down, we'll, we'll give you a field goal attempt. We'll stop you on third and goal uh, or what have you. And they hadn't been allowing that, that deep bomb uh, 50 yard plus touchdown, which they, they allowed two of those against Detroit. And so that's the concerning thing. And maybe that was Harrison Smith being out. I'm sure that mattered yeah. quite a bit. But um, I think to your point, too, even like Kansas City um, in what, 2019, 2020, when yeah. their defense was kind of similar, not allowing you know, Steve Spagnuolo, the kind well, of aggressive, aggressive, you know, mindset in terms of trying to create the turnovers and trying to create the sacks. Uh, but they would allow large numbers of points and yards in games. Um, and so kind of, again, I'm not trying to, compare the Vikings offense now to the chiefs and Mahomes and all that. But that's kind of the model that seems to be taking the league by storm is just finding an offense, finding a quarterback that could put up a bunch of points and then kind of surviving, just barely surviving with your defense and kind of almost winning a shootout by nature. And so that's, you see the bills do that. Now you see the chiefs do that. Now um, the Eagles aren't even really needing to win shootouts because their defense is performing really well, but I think their offense is in, in a way designed to do that now too. So the Niners are really the, the team right now that's kind of bucking that trend. Uh, Cincinnati, same way. I mean, they're designed to do that as well. So uh, I think, you know, the, the the Lions game is definitely a scary one to look back on defensively, those two big touchdown plays and obviously all the yards. But, uh, you know, you got a get-right game with the Colts this week, and you got another get-right game after that with the Giants, and then probably another get-right game after that with the Bears, uh, and then the Packers last week, probably another get-right game. So right. there's – 
if you don't see some positive regression from this defense in the next four weeks to end the season, that then you should really be scared come playoff time. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about that Lions game because I think this conversation is just going to inherently bleed into that a little bit because you know the fraud talk it got louder this week, right? Yeah. Like it, there's no there's no defense outside of saying, well, the Vikings were missing a couple of their key players. And like, well, the, the easy response there is, well, everyone's missing some key players at this point in time. But it just goes to show, by the way, this is a complete side point, but it goes to show how important Harrison Smith is, regardless of where his athleticism at is at relative to where he was at early in his career. Just the fact that he's a field general out there. I mean, if he was out there on the Jameson Williams touchdown, that play doesn't happen just because he would have been in the right spot and maybe Cam Bynum would have been in the wrong spot, but Harrison Smith would have been in the right spot for sure. I don't trust Josh Metellus the same way I trust Harrison Smith. And I think that's very fair. And if that, that touchdown in itself doesn't happen. So that's one play right there where to me, you can kind of throw that one out because it was a play. It was a miscommunication play. I believe Cam Bynum and Metellus and Donatel all confirmed that that was like a play where it's like someone reached a little bit. Someone didn't know where they need to be. And all of a sudden you got this rookie going over the top of you. So you can throw that one out to me. The rest of the lions game. Yeah. I'll take all of it. Right. I mean, the pop pass situation with Dalvin cook, I don't have a problem with the play call. The execution stunk, but you, as a head coach, you have to take that one on the shoulders because yeah, you know, Ed Ingram is your starting guard this year. He's going to be a problem, it seems like, for this Vikings defense with internal pressure. Yeah, to run that that's play behind him is is is, is bold. Yeah, that's a little little bold. You take that one on the shoulders for sure. But like as far as the intuition behind it or the idea or the goal, that made sense. I mean, we saw Johnny Munt come free. If Dalvin Cook had a million oh, yeah. like a half of a second longer that ball's in the end zone for right. a touchdown maybe we got a much different ball game right right so it's it's I, it's a little strange to me because all three of the vikings losses right the eagles cowboys and now the lions all have very important pieces where i'm just like you know what i'm not even gonna pay attention to that i'm gonna throw that out because it, it's not typical right and it's easily fixable right and with the eagles game so so long ago basically throw it out just because it was what week two cowboys game it's like you got flushed so early on that nobody even cared by the time the fourth quarter was starting. I'm flushing that game too. And there's so many elements of this Detroit game where if you just didn't make the mistake, and in general, the Vikings have not made the mistake this year, right? So it's a little bit adverse to what we've become accustomed to. I'm a, I'm okay with throwing that out as well. The problem that I have with the, the Detroit game is the Vikings really didn't do anything particularly well with exception to Justin Jefferson being a crazy person and going off for right. you know, a Vikings record, what, 223 yards or whatever that was. So that's my issue with that game. But I think all of that is not fixable, but mendable, right? Like the defense isn't good. I don't think the defense is going to allow 400 yards every single week. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think that they're when you get Harrison Smith on the back end, you're not going to have those deep shots happening as much or really at all because you've got Peterson yeah. and Smith who are just smart players and they're going to cover those right. goals. And you're going to get more pressure from Daniel Hunter and Zanary Smith than you did last week. That's just, I don't, Detroit did a great job. I mean, you got to tip your cap to him to some I mean, degree. And that's, I a, that's, a, that's a great offense too. Like that's not. They're that's, good, yeah. Yeah. You got to tip your cap to them in a way as well. They put 40 on multiple people this season. Right. The, I mean, also the Lions at home offensively. Jared Goff is like his touchdown interception or touchdown ratio home and away is like 20 to two or something like that. Like he has like, I think he has two touchdowns on the road this year and all the rest are at home, something like that. Is Jared so, Goff good, by the way? 
Like, that, is he good? At home, he is. <laughs> I'll give it to him <laughs> at home. Uh, but so, yeah, the Lions game, I think uh, the one thing I wanted to uh, harp back on to that I, th- I do think the Dalvin fumble was a crusher. Um, like, if he just sits on that ball, that's a first and goal play, right? He just sits on that ball, takes the four or three yard loss. They get second and goal. They, I, I'm going to take the bet that they score a touchdown there. Totally different game. They might end up winning that game with how they performed late in games this year. It comes down to final possession. I, would trust the Vikings get it done there. Um, so I think that one was a killer and it's, they didn't have, they didn't have problems moving the ball uh, offensively whatsoever. And Justin Jefferson got whatever he want. Kirk made every single throw you could ask him to make in that game. And so uh, it's just defensively. I think they ran, I mean, it's weird calling the lions a buzzsaw, but like they were, they executed everything exactly how you would expect a, a great elite offense to execute. The Colts probably won't do that this week. And so I like, I like the Vikings odds bounce back. Um, and n- now playoff time, do I trust this defense as it stands now to take down say Philly or San Francisco? No, but, um, uh, that's what you want to see gel back and kind of, um, you want to see that build back towards, uh, you know, a better solid defense that can win in the postseason these last four weeks with the opponents that they have. Yeah. I, I don't think this defense is as bad as it's been for the last month. And that's a hard kind of a hard thing for me to say because like there's very qualified strong evidence to suggest that they are in fact the worst defense in football. But I do think it's important to take context in place here. Like you said, Detroit's a pretty good offense, you know, Dallas obviously really good offense and there's been some other teams in the mix in there too where like the Patriots are not a bad football team. I know I know that they're not necessarily the greatest offensive football team, but the Vikings are mostly getting it done this year against good football teams. And if the shoe were on the other foot, right, and this was still Mike Zimmer's team, and let's say the defense was, you know, a top-ranked defense and the offense was crap, well, you'd have the Devin, you'd have the Denver Broncos in Minnesota, basically. Like that's that's what the, that's what type of season that they are having. And granted, they are a coin flip away in a lot a lot of circumstances, you know, from being a competitor in the AFC West. And that's just how football goes sometimes. So, right. I don't think that. To me, this is an extreme situation and it's an extreme that has lasted far too long and i think the i think the lions are kind of like the peak of that because i think we're in the middle of like the worst possible situation with this defense right now and it can really only get better from this point in time we saw what ed donatel said this week i mean i wasn't thrilled with the way that he conducted himself in that press conference like i'm not a big like overly optimistic guy like i don't want to hear like oh we'll get better we'll get better we'll get better like i don't right. care like tell me i, I want to see my i want to see my leader take some blame a little bit right when things yeah. aren't perfect and there was an opportunity for him to do that but i think you know moving to the the colts game speaking of opportunities right um you well, get I mean, A, you can clinch the division. You can clinch um, playoff spot. You can now, again, we're recording this right before the Thursday night game, Seattle and San Francisco, Mm -hmm. but you might have a chance to pull two games ahead now of uh, San Francisco for that two seed because, you know, I, again, this is my vantage point now. I think Seattle could win this game tonight. So you have um, a terrific opportunity there to kind of get back on track. You're at home. Um, you got a national audience watching the game in a kind of its own unique slot on TV on Saturday. So I think uh, this is a, this is one of those, this is a classic get right game. I'm, I'm kind of putting uh, Ed Donatello to the challenge here uh, to shut down this Colts offense that, I mean, the Vikings have historically been, awesome against Matt Ryan. Uh, you got to keep that going. 
this week. And I don't want to see, you know, Kirk have to be put uh, to the, put to the brink of things here at the end of the game, needing a touchdown drive against the Indianapolis Colts at home. Uh, that would be a bad sign moving to the playoffs. So, and the, and the Colts aren't like, I mean, they have a solid def- They have a solid defense, uh, some really good pieces there. Uh, I'm going to be here to see how they use like Gilmore, for example, with, with Jefferson, but yep. um, offensively, they don't scare anybody. They have maybe one break, like long breakaway run from Jonathan Taylor, a game, but there's nothing there. Uh, the Vikings can easily, maintain that um and that's this is the game where i want to see them for example i think today was actually the three-year anniversary of the last time they won by more than two possessions so this would be a great way to you know get back into that uh winning by more than two possessions you get a colts team that's reeling at home with a head coach that just started coaching three days ago uh i mean bogus decision by the way but we can we don't talk about that so you, you can't get a more perfect opportunity to get right and start building some momentum. Absolutely. And I mean, so on the flip side of that, right. To take kind of the, the more pessimistic angle here is like, yes, the, the Vikings, this is a must win game in the sense that it's, you know, obviously you're going to make the playoffs basically no matter what. So yeah. in that sense, it's, it doesn't matter. But like, if you lose to the Colts, who like you just said, have Jeff Saturday as their head coach. He doesn't know what he's doing. And on top of that, by the way, they've got like, what is it? A 30 year old play caller that's calling right. plays for his third game now. And he's or fourth game now. I'm not saying he's a bad coach by any means, but he's an inexperienced coach. And so you absolutely should be able to take advantage of that yeah. when you're a dinosaur like Donatel, who's been in the league for 25 years or longer. I don't even, it's been a long time. He's, he's, he's been around. So you can't let that happen. Right. So from that vantage point, you absolutely have to win this football game and you should win it convincingly, right? This should be a two score win because you're playing an opponent that is inferior in a coaching sense, which is really the number one across the NFL. Like if you have a good coach, you can get things done. Bill Belichick has proven that time and time again. Number two, you've got the better roster, like for sure, no doubt in my mind, like position by position, almost across the board with exception to maybe Jonathan Taylor, right? You're just the better overall football team. They are injured. They're missing a ton of guys. Um, They don't, the organization as a whole just doesn't really know what they're doing right now. They have zero identity in who they are. They used to be like, we're going to run it down the throat with Jonathan Taylor. And now it's like, okay, well, we have Matt Ryan. So we're going to throw it a little bit more. And we've got what Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell on the outside. Like, if they the benched Vikings Pat Ryan too, which was hilarious. Sam Ellinger, like, and then they brought him back in when Saturday fired. If they can't stop this team, like win, and you're right, win convincingly, I'm going to have a lot more questions than I did last week when they lost to the Lions because right. a win by three against the Colts to me is worse than a loss by, what was it, 10 against the Lions, right? Yeah. It's just – it. This is a must-win opportunity in that sense because it's like you you need to take advantage of the get-right game. You need to have the good feeling of the good the get-right game. You need to do everything that you're supposed to do and do it well during that get-right game. Yeah. And if you don't do those things, then it's a missed opportunity in and of itself because not only do you not conv- uh, clinch the division, right, unless Detroit loses, right, you also are kind of now entering the path to backing your way into the playoffs, which is a great right. way to exit in the first round. Right. So or, me, you, and the other thing I'm thinking of too, you get to the second round, say the Vikings do win, but then instead of playing San Francisco at home, you got to go to San Francisco, yeah. which I have, I mean that right now looks like a 
blowout loss. Um, yeah. The way they're playing, the way they're vibing, and the way the Vikings on the road have struggled lately. So that's uh, that's my. I mean, this again, the Colts are, are clearly the inferior team, and I think we both kind of agree. You have to go in there and and you have to more or less dominate this game in front of the home crowd. Uh, a reeling team that has not much to play for. Colts are more or less eliminated. All of that, and that ASU South is kind of getting a little bit interesting. Um, but Gross. that team has no business competing with the Vikings at home. I think if if the Vikings are as good as the the record says they are, then there's no business for them competing. So this is kind of the Vikings' opportunity to make a statement to the league and say, okay, we are a contender. We can. You know, this is what the Eagles have been doing the last several weeks now. They lost to Washington, and then they've basically just been clowning other teams. Like, right. yeah, we lost to Washington, but no, we're for real. Vikings have a chance to at least swing the pendulum that way this week. Absolutely. Is there – what needs to happen here for the Colts to win this football game? Like, how big of a it's, – uh, It's Matt Ryan showing up like Jerry Goff last week, um, which – in the end, and I think the Vikings need to also get more pressure. Jared Goff was awesome in the pocket last week, moving around, stepping up when needed, things like that. Um, but I think Matt Ryan's not that guy. Uh, he's old and slow and doesn't move. And when he does move, it's it's like you're watching a guy in slow motion. This is where I think, speaking of the get right game, and you know, this is where Daniel Hunter's, Darius Smith, uh, Ed yeah. Donatel can tee those guys up and get them get those sack numbers up, right? I mean, these guys live for sack numbers, contract incentives, things like that. This is the game they probably circled on their calendar thinking, oh, I got Matt Ryan this week. Uh, so that's move around. Yeah. I, I, if, if the Colts can keep him clean and in a, in a, uh, in a good pocket when passing, he can pick up defense apart. He won the MVP six years ago. So there's, it's not like he's not going to pick apart and make some good, uh, you know, dial up this defense. And like we said, the defense uh, is giving up yards, but you have to make the take advantage of those big plays when they come the sacks, the interceptions, the fumbles that Matt Ryan, I think he leads the league in fumbles by a humongous margin. So, um, you have to take advantage of the opportunities and they're going to be there in this game. It's going to be up to, uh, I think Ed Donatel is kind of, this is his game. I'm, I'm watching what he does the most because if he has another flat performance and his defense does again, again, like we mentioned before, really big concern going into the playoffs. Last question on the Colts, and we'll wrap this this guy up for the week. But is there a path to a Colts victory that doesn't involve a complete Vikings collapse, meaning something similar to what happened last week with red zone turnovers, um, you know, big plays, big shots due to miscommunication? Like, is there a path that the Colts could win this game if they're just going kind of head on one on one? Everyone keeps control of the football, does things the right way for the most part, you know, keeps. I mean, I, I think so. I think. I mean, there is. I'm not gonna. At, sit here and act like this this Vikings team is completely impenetrable given what we've seen and right. some of their losses this year, right? Um, but it's I, I trust the offense enough to score that 24 yeah. to 30 something right. points that they continue to do every week. Kirk has Kirk is on fire. Um, and that's kind of despite some of the changes offensive line that's been going on and the injuries and whatnot. But I I trust the offense to put up the points. It's just gonna be the defense containing the Colts offense. And I feel like that can happen. Uh, and I don't, it, it's Matt Ryan doesn't scare me, man. He really doesn't. Um, I, I feel confident in that, in that thought. I don't think Matt Ryan is, yeah. is enough to scare anybody right now. 
the Colts have scored since Jeff Saturday became head coach against the Raiders on the road, right? It's, they have scored 25, 16, 17, and 19 points. So they're averaging with those four scores merged together right around the 20 mark. I just don't see a way where the Vikings lose to this football team knowing that they basically score 20 points because the Vikings are a 24 to 28 to 30 plus offense Colts, even against the bad Vikings defense. I don't think that they have the capacity with their current personnel. And I'm going to knock on wood because this is a stupid thing to say after giving up five, 400 yard games, but I just don't think they have the capacity to do enough like you said, against this Vikings right. offense. I think the Vikings are going to score too many points that it, like, even if they have a bad defensive showing, and granted, we will be talking about that bad defensive showing if the Vikings win and they allow 25 points to the Colts next week and Jonathan Taylor goes for 180 and, you know, I don't know, Michael Pittman has the day of his life. I'm going to be freaking out next week regardless. But in terms of like a path to winning the division, a path to winning this football game, the Vikings just need to score 30, basically. And if yeah. they get close to that number, this one's a wrap because the Colts are not coming back if the Vikings jump up to a, a big enough lead. So right. I suppose we will see how this plays out, but I am confident this week that the Vikings can get this done. Coming off of a loss, I think Kevin O'Connell, who has shown resiliency in his time as a head coach, short time as a head coach, but small sample size, but it's been a good sample size. And I expect Alvin Cook to play better. I expect Kirk Cousins to be, you know, Again, his consistent self that he's been for a couple months now, which is ironic, by the way, because I came into this year being like, ah, this guy just bothers me. And over the duration of this season, I've liked Kirk Cousins more than I ever have in my entire life. And here we are, him having his worst statistical Kirk season. So I'm more confident now in him showing up in a you know a prime t- prime time matchup on Saturday football um, right. this week. Um, that I really have ever been in my life. So to me, Vikings win this game. I'm thinking it's by two scores, but you know, they don't win by two scores, man. They don't win by two scores. That's the thing. So um, besides that Packers game week one, they have nine straight wins, nine straight of their game. Their wins that they've had have been one score. Uh, I, I, this is the game, man. This is the game. You have to, you have to stop that trend. Um, If you want to prove yourself as a playoff team, a playoff contender, well, not just a playoff contender, but a, a Super Bowl contender. You beat the Colts right. handily at home when they are four, or eight, and one, or whatever they are, yeah. um, with Matt Ryan as their quarterback. I mean, there's there's not a more uh, fitting get right game. So uh, this is it. This is other, it's going to be a different tone, I think, for us if we come back next week and the Vikings just scrape by the Colts for another one of their one score wins. Because um, right. then we're going to be starting to think, well, this is probably a waste of a year where we're going to get into the playoffs watch this team maybe win a game, but really not have a chance against the contenders. Yeah. Wholeheartedly agree. Um, and we will discuss that more next week. Um, I was considering kind of having the talk like are the Vikings Super Bowl contenders, but I think this is a good opportunity for us to pause that question, wait and see what happens this weekend. Um, and after we see what happens right. with the Colts this weekend, I'll have a better gauge right. of whether or not this Vikings team can actually go deep into the playoffs. Right. Um, because I mean, the Eagles are the Eagles are putting people to sleep in the second quarter every yeah. game this year. We need we need to see the Vikings do that. Absolutely, wholeheartedly agree. Cosine all the way. Uh, so that's that. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening. We're happy to uh, be back here, and thank you for bearing with us. If you you know even remember the last podcast that we did. Um, 
So uh, we're back here. Make sure to check out Climb in the Pocket. While Drew and I have been away, they have been consistently putting up shows as they always typically do. Um, you can find those on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. Um, and make sure to check out The Daily Norseman as well. Uh, that's where these get published, right? Uh, these podcasts are going to be up on the Climbing the Pocket on iTunes. And of course, you can find it on The Daily Norseman as well, um, where you can get your, your blog reading in there too, um, ahead of the Vikings game against the Colts uh, this coming Saturday. So um, thank you guys for listening to the show. Thank you for bearing with us on our long delay and we will catch you guys next week. Oh.